you're now tuned into another episode of The Underground. Each week, we dive into what it means to create, nurture, and live in communities everywhere. This is The Underground with Ryan Moore and Justin Lon Carrick. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Underground Podcast. I'm Justin. I'm with Ryan. What's up, bud? You know what? Another day where I can't complain. Although it did snow today a little bit this morning when I was walking the dog. First snowfall of the year. Second snowfall of the Is year. Is it the second? I did I miss so. the first? I think this, the first you were probably sleeping. Probably. We were up early that day. Yeah. And it was snowing. Um, I got a question for you just to jump right into the topic at hand. Um, I have a daughter that is growing up, I guess, because that's what daughters do. And we've been struggling in trying to figure out what to put her in. And as a dad, I'm, I have two boys ahead of her and we were very, it was a simple progression. I was going to pick a sport and that was going to be the thing. And we put them in baseball for a bit. We tried soccer and then we settled on hockey for various different reasons, but there was always options. There was always opportunity to put my boys in sport. Yeah. When my daughter came along, how old is she? She's now seven. She's so going to be. She's last in line. She's last in line. She's the baby. She's the baby. She's going to be eight next year or next month. Um, and I really, I've struggled with how do we do this? How, where do we put her? How do we? Where does she fit in in a, in sport? Because, Especially after two boys. Well, yeah. I for mean, you for for sure. It was. It's been an adrenaline rush the whole time. That's for sure. Yeah. But your wife must have been happy. That was a whole other story. She she made that happen. Yeah. She literally she said, we're going to do this. And I was like, you know, it's a 50-50 shot. And she goes, no, it isn't. <laughs> I'm going to make this the way it's going to be. Yeah. And um, so I guess what I'm asking is, what what is there? I mean, how why is it that female sport, even today, doesn't seem as prolific as... Um, like boys sports like Mm -hmm. girl kids in sport and maybe i'm just blind to it so tell like do you have any insight in that well i have a little bit of insight through just my connections that i have but i'm not i'm not a female obviously i hope not (laughs) you guys can't see us at home i'm a boy and a handsome one at that oh thank you especially with that stash but uh yeah so we're uh we, we have the luxury today of being joined by uh, Ohio State player from 2002 to 2006. She was the senior year captain. She was All-American over her career at Ohio State. She accumulated 160 points. That's a record. She has also the NCAA record for most shorthanded goals. Her company, Harrigan Hockey, impacts over 2,500 women in our area. She was and is a a proud patron of the Burlington Pond. She is Jana Harrigan. Hey, Ryan. What's going on? Hey, Jana. We are also joined today by nine-time national championship competitor in signals figure skating, member of Team Canada, national team member for Nexus in synchro ice skating, 2009 world champion, member of the Skate Canada Hall of Fame, my sister, Michelle Moore-Davison. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Ryan. How are Hi, you? Justin. Hello. So we have Jana and Michelle here today uh, to have a little discussion. Well, about- perfect timing for, yeah. for them to answer my question. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess girls hockey and girls sport has come a long way since you guys started. Um, where does it stand today? And, and why do I still feel like there's room to grow? 
especially today. Yeah, it's actually uh, women's hockey is one of the fastest growing sports um, in Canada right now. A lot of young girls are getting into it and they see their brothers and their um, dads playing and now uh, moms and daughters are playing too. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the figure skating side of things is actually dying a little bit. Really? A little bit. Because of that. Well, not, not because of hockey, but because hockey has grown and it's a team sport. It's fun. It's, you know, you get to hang out with your girlfriends and work together on a common goal. Whereas in figure skating, you're by yourself quite a bit and the training is hard and you have to put in, I skated three hours a day and we just trained by myself three hours a day with my coaches and teammates that were out there, but you are an individual sport where you have to be able to focus and work on things by yourself so that it, it can be tough um well i'm sure there's something to do with that's something to do with the popularity of hockey exactly yeah. versus that's like figure skating mm-hmm. as a whole i mean mm-hmm. tennis isn't as popular in canada as it is in other countries mm-hmm. because of that as well mm-hmm. um is figure skating cheaper or more expensive than hockey as a whole? I'm curious about that point. Cause um, that that's talked about a lot in rep hockey. Like you can spend so much money. How does that compare? It's definitely more expensive. Um, you're paying for your ice time. Plus you're paying for your coach. Right. And your coach coaches you every single day. So whereas in hockey, you can go um, to a practice once a week, twice a week, depending on your on your caliber, what you decide. House league is like one practice a day and, and one game a week. Sorry, a week. But um, rep is a little bit more. But whereas in figure skating, you're paying for your ice time. You're paying for every minute that your coach is coaching you. And you can have multiple coaches. Also, when you go to a competition, hotel, coaches fees, all that stuff at the competition. Yeah. But once you make it to a certain level, then, um, funding steps in. So there is that little bit of golden light there at the end of the tunnel, but you have to put that work in. Well, and it's interesting. Michelle's saying that figure skating is kind of, it's waning away from figure skating and getting a little bit closer to women's hockey and, and women are getting more and more involved in hockey. Jenna, I know we grew up together, kind of. You are a little older than me, but we were, we were in the older. pond at the same time when I was a child and, and you were training with my dad. And the Negno Olympics happened. I think, when was that? 1998, I believe it was. And that would have been right in your preteen, teenager years. And that was the first time that women's hockey was at the Olympics. So do you remember that? Do you remember Absolutely, watching that? Yeah. And I remember what- getting up early to watch and all these um, female athletes that you've heard about, hockey players that are kind of making it to the pinnacle of the sport. It was amazing to see. It didn't really work out for Canada the way we wanted it to, but uh, it was such an important part of women's hockey and um, did so much for the development of the sport. Well, that's what I was, that's what I was getting at is that, that moment broadcast to the world that hockey is open for women. Before that, it was open to women, but it was on the corner. It was on the cusp. It was kind of that fringe sport that women play. It wasn't the quintessential woman's sport, like figure skating might've been dance, other things like that, Mm -hmm. cheerleading. And then the Olympics happened and these women went out there and they performed and it was entertaining and it was a solid product that they put forward on the ice. And I think that made the realization that women's hockey might be something that is viable for the future. This could, could be, 
this could be doable. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I played in the boys' leagues because that's really all there was. There was a few female teams around, not nearly as much as there is now. And so um, having the Olympics and having it on a world stage, I think it just um, made the sport explode. And so many girls got to see these women play. And now there are house league and rep teams within each city and you can you know play as high as the the junior levels are making it to the national team and getting scholarships there's so many opportunities right now for these young girls which is amazing to see what was your path growing up i know you went to ohio state where did you play before that so before that that i played yeah i played with the boys right up until grade eight and then grade eight um it was kind of uh, a moment for my parents where i was playing um summer hockey and I got hit so hard that uh I was oh no yeah I, I, but that was also I, I, back when you could hit earlier on right so because nowadays it's it's minor bantam I think you can hit now grade eight would be and the first year yes it, yeah exactly yeah exactly okay so yeah you so could it, w- you could hit before that but uh it was you never the, the got boy, rocked that way the boys were just getting a bit bigger at that point you know I was always about the same size and then that 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 summer hockey it was I, I, I'm sure I blacked out for a little bit. And then at that point, my parents were like, this is it. You need to make the transition. Yeah. So I transitioned over to the to the girls' leagues, which was um, great because it was such a different experience. You're in the locker room with the girls, a lot more of a community. Whereas with the boys, I was changing in um, the referee's room, mm-hmm. the first aid room. So I love the sport. I love being with the boys. But it, the community was not nearly the same. When did you first start getting? Uh, when did you first start getting scouted? Like, was it was it always Ohio State, or were there others? No, yeah, or? no. I um, I was fortunate enough to have lots of opportunity. I um, got lots of letters and phone calls from. I would say a majority of the university's offering programs at the time. You're kind of a big deal, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. Right. Oh, not so, a big deal. and um, and then yeah, I just I went on a couple of visits and Ohio State was a great opportunity, big school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in terms of academics, so it had a lot of opportunity for me and um, close to home too, which was nice. My parents actually made it to every single home game. Uh, it's about a six-hour drive and yeah. they drive up for all the home games, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of the other t- universities were in Minnesota, North Dakota. The opportunity wouldn't be I feel be like there. Minnesota's way colder too. A lot colder, <laughs> a lot colder. Yeah. So we were lucky enough that in, we were in the WCHA at um, Ohio. So we got to play a lot of those teams, great teams. Um, and so we got to see and feel what it was like for Minnesota hockey, but at, I got to do it closer to home, which was nice. How, how far along has the competition come? Like from, so when you started, how, what what would you say it compares to the girls today? Oh, the girls today coming out of the sport are at a much higher level. It is the, the top to bottom is so much closer now, mm. whereas before you'd have those, you know, top three or four, and then I wouldn't say the bottom, but there was a drop off from there. And now these kids coming out, there's there's very little difference that separates, you know, those top players from the the fourth liners. So it's it's exciting that someone can shift up and down so so much within their career. And you were, like we were mentioning before, you were at the forefront of this. You were really one of a part of the first wave coming through of talented young women um, participating at the NCAA highest level of hockey that you could play as a woman at, the, at your age. And you, in fact, broke a couple of records, I think. Did you not? I did. I did. I had the single season record, uh, career record, shorthanded goal record. Those have all been broken since. A lot of great um, athletes coming in behind. Uh, Laura McIntosh, Natalie Spooner, they all went, to, they both went to um, Ohio State and have since broken those records. But uh, those, aren't, those aren't 
well-known names at no, all. No, no, not at all. Not yeah, at it's, all. it's it's good company to be with for sure. So uh, it's it's great to see. I mean, records are meant to be broken, and uh, it's it's just exciting to see the next generation coming through and what they what they're doing for the sport. And something that you can take from that is the fact that you were the person that drove these other girls to to get to that level. You you set that bar for them to try to beat. So you were a part of progressing this sport forward, which I think is something that you can, and I tip my hat to you on that, is you were right there at the forefront of it. You set these girls up for success. Absolutely. And I mean, there's players before me too that did it as well, right? And it is nice to strive for something, have a goal. Um, so there's actually another um, Burlington kid, Emma Maltese, that's in Ohio now, and she's likely going to beat the current records, which is really exciting to see. I think Emma trains here as well. Burlington represent. That's right. Mm. And records are always meant to be broken. They right? are meant to be broken. That's amazing. And it almost, it's like a rite of passage for for now Burlington girls to go down and break that record <laughs> or Canadian girls to go down and break that record. Absolutely. Well. Right. Like that's what you want. You want, you want to see these records being broken. Cause I remember the feeling of, of doing it myself and now knowing what these girls are, are doing and doing for the sport. It's really amazing to see. I I've always, I've wanted to ask this of, of sort of high level athletes. So you score that goal, that record breaking goal. It's, it's the pinnacle of the sport. It's like getting to the top echelons of what you could possibly do. What is that feeling like? Like, what does that internal emotion feel like? Yeah, it's it's hard to put into words because in the moment you're not thinking about like a personal record. You're thinking about what it's doing for your team, for the game, you know, whether you tied the game, you guys are now ahead. Um, it's really afterwards that you kind of think like, it is definitely cool to be a part of history. Would you rather have a personal record or an NCAA title? I would absolutely take the championship nice. all day. We weren't quite there when I was there. Ohio State's doing it great now. They actually were heading to the Final Four before the shutdown due to COVID. So it's great to see the alma mater just doing so well. That's a team attitude right there. I love that. And that's, that's what hockey teaches team. That, it is. It's team <laughs> sport. You gotta, you gotta, everyone's got to tug on the rope at the same time to transition that towards Michelle, just by where we're recording today. She's actually sitting directly in front of her world championship medals. So, which is pretty awesome by the way, Michelle won gold for on behalf of Canada. She won the the world championship for for Canada. So Michelle, what was that feeling like when when cuz if I believe you guys were silver after the short? Yeah, we were in second. And that was a team. So this team. Was, yeah, I was just going to say this. So what's really cool about listening to Jana speak there about having a personal record versus a team record. I uh, had the privilege of competing in a single sport by myself and then transitioning to the team sport. And <clears throat> I'll slide a humble brag about my sister there. She was nine time national competitor. And I believe you were, how old were you when you first went senior? Well, my first national championship was at 12 years old and I was the youngest <sighs> competitor in, in that by far the next, I think was 15. It went from 15 to 17 in that category, in the novice category. And I was 12. So that was really cool. And I was, uh, fourth after the short program. So that's the first, you skate two skate uh, programs. And I was fourth and I was really upset because I wasn't in first <laughs> in, in Canada. Killer attitude. And, I uh, love that. Killer at, mentality. At 12. At 12, at 12 and, years old. And, and my dad was, uh, he had to step aside. I was really mad and he had to pull me aside and, and say, you realize this is against all of Canada. Right. And, and so figure skating in Canada. Yeah. Which right. is which was right. huge, right? Yes, you're twelfth in Canada. Yeah, go for it. No, not twelfth. 
I was oh, fourth. Fourth. At 12 years At old. At 12, 12 years old. <laughs> the numbers are getting all screwed up <laughs> in my head. Competing yeah. against 16-year-olds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, and then I went junior, and then I went senior by uh, 15. I was 15 years old at, at the senior level, which is the highest level you can go in figure skating, and went to, uh, I believe it was five, five or six national championships at that level. So I was, but I was a single skater by myself. And um, so when you say you want to go for either the title, the championship title or the points, in my head, I would want the points because I'm, I'm an individual right, sport, right? right. right? different sport, yeah. Um, but then transitioned, I, I, I retired from figure, for, from single skating and I got a call to compete on the national synchronized skating team. And I said, no, I'm not doing this. And they said, just come to one practice. And I said, okay, fine. Went to one practice, got talking with the girls, realized that they're really cool and it was going to be fun. And, and everybody had this common goal. Uh, to make it to the world championships, to become world champions. Canada had never, um, they had medaled at the world championships in synchronized skating, but the best they had done is third place. They've never won at this point. And uh, the team was just full of athletes that just the drive and the desire was, I just saw it and I thought, well, maybe I could do this. And then fast forward uh, two years later, we're standing on the podium in first place and uh, listening to national anthem and it was the best feeling in the world. And I was on a team. And I had never experienced that before with other people. And it was so cool. And that team, we still are connected today because of that. And we still keep in touch. And it's, it's, it was really cool to be a part of a team. So now transitioning into what I do, the power skating side of things with the hockey players, now I can see where, how I can relate more to them. And how they work together as a team versus I just want to score this many goals for myself. How important is the edge work that is done in figure skating and how does that relate to hockey? Because mm-hmm. I think there's been some conversation about that more and more lately in that you hear about some of these top figure skating coaches coaching some of these NHL players. Why? Well, the game is getting faster. The game is getting tighter. And before it was, you know, just skate down the ice and and score a goal. Well, now they have to know how to skate faster, stronger, harder, quicker. And how do they do that? Well, they can't, at this point, it's the figure skaters who know how to skate properly. I mean, we got graded on, on how well we did an edge, not just that we did it. So... Um, this is where the figure skating side of things is now benefiting these hockey players because we're teaching them how to skate powerful and how to move across the ice effortlessly. I would also argue that you guys are teaching the hockey players how to be more efficient with their power. These guys are now just, even when I was playing, we were in the gym a ton, but even that science has progressed so much further forward that they're in the gym, they're building these muscles. And then people like Michelle go out on the ice and they teach them how to use those muscles, all that power efficiently mm-hmm. so that you're not wasting energy while you're on the ice and you're, you are becoming faster, but at the same time you're using less energy. And 
that brings me to my next point. We're, we're sitting here with two pretty predominant figureheads in, in hockey in our area. Michelle is now one of the predominant power skating coaches in our area, not just for female, but for male too. And she works with NHL players, NCAA, OHL. Jana now owns Harrigan Hockey, which is, like I said in her introduction, I think it's over 2,500 women in this area that she is introducing to, to hockey. She's training. She's really pushing the women's side of hockey forward and really making it more inclusive. You have you have leagues from beginners, I think? Yeah, we have leagues all the way up, right from when you're four years old, just getting into the sport, to leagues for, for moms, women who have never played, you know, never skated a day in their life. They're jumping on the ice because they see their kids doing it. So we are trying to provide opportunity for anybody and everybody who wants to play this sport, which is uh, incredible to see those women stepping on the ice for the very first time. And uh, we laugh because uh, we play on the buzzer system. Some women, you know, get out onto the ice and then the buzzer goes, they got to make their way right back again. So it's really awesome to see. Is that a new demographic for you? Is that something that's come around in the last few years? Actually, that was probably one of my first leagues. I had a couple moms say, hey, my daughter plays, my son plays, can you teach us? Mm -hmm. So it started very organically with uh, skills and drills. And then we transitioned to a little three-on-three game at the end. So we started with 12 women, then we got... 24 women it just kept growing and growing and now we have over 40 teams of just beginner moms beginner women wow and it's incredible to see these these women come together uh, play on a team and feel that that community that hockey is which is so incredible hockey is a community absolutely it's the one of the biggest communities in canada i would say because no matter where you go in canada you walk into town you'll find a hockey team or a hockey player or somebody that that's wearing a, jer- a jacket totally. or a jersey anywhere I in, in the world. Yeah. Really. I'm walking around Florida. I'm walking around Mexico. If I wear a CCM hat, someone will come up to me and be like, Oh, are you Canadian? And yeah. it, it, it's, yeah, it's not even, are yeah. you American? Like CCM could be American or something, but yeah. Oh, you're Canadian. It's CCM hockey. Nice. But, but how large the community is. It's funny how you always know somebody. It's, it's also a small tight-knit community as well where you seem to just know everybody within the community which is nice well i feel like jana you're you're like me and michelle we we deal with so many people so many people in that hockey community i feel like you're probably the same as us when we walk around the mall it's hard to it's hard to get from store to store that's coach michelle Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah this podcast was started because of this community exactly right so the the reason why i have a relationship with ryan is because of hockey and the only reason we communicated was because of hockey otherwise who knows where this would be i'd be sitting here alone in a room (laughs) who knows (laughs) so swinging back originally to the point that i was trying to make at the beginning with my daughter i really do feel like there's not a i mean i know there's more marketing advertising kind of around girls young girls hockey young girl sport, but it still doesn't feel like there's enough. Like, where do we, where do we go from here? What are the next steps to continue to grow this sport or, or sports in general? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a tough question, right? Because it is the largest growing sport, but it's also, as you mentioned earlier, it's an expensive sport, right? right? So having programs in place for maybe players that can't afford the startup costs or the equipment costs. I think if we can provide that within the community, more more players can get involved and hockey should be uh, available to everybody and as we all know it's it's not cheap ice isn't cheap equipment isn't cheap joining uh leagues and all that at all it all costs money so if we can somehow have programs in place where uh, everyone can be involved i think that is kind of the direction we should go in 
And the one thing that we have these two here to talk about is the fact that 50% of our population is female and that percent of the population is now climbing. So there's more numbers entering the sport. So I think that's a way, that is the way to make costs come down. Because we're getting more numbers into the sport, there is going to be more investment into the sport, which then could drive costs down. Let's all not forget, though, that there's a dark side of hockey or rep sport as well. And I just hope that as the sport grows in general, like we've dealt with some pretty nasty stuff with our boys, right? Stuff that I don't want to get into details here, but it's it's not been fun. I think the key is to remember that hockey as a whole is a part development. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's an idea of going to the next level and pushing our kids to the next level and so on. But I really do believe that we're there to teach them bigger lessons than mm-hmm. just being in the NHL or just being on hockey Canada, you know, hockey teams and things like that. And I really wish that more people would take that mindset on. Is that something that you deal with in the on the woman's side as much as the? Oh, absolutely, side? yeah. Oh, there's, really? there's definitely expectations. Uh, I actually coach my daughter's team, so we're we're novice and we're in the rep rep loop. But there's no score. There's no. We're playing half ice, so it, it very much is butterflies and rainbows right now. And the goal of our coaching staff, we're very lucky to have an all female coaching staff. Um, it's it's great that these girls get to see women doing it. But our main objective is for these girls to have fun there's very few that are going to move on to the NCAA, the women's national teams, but that's, that's not the point of hockey. The point of hockey is to learn how to work with someone else, how to be part of a team, how to communicate. So our goal is just for these girls to have so much fun and enjoy the sport, get out and get active and who knows where they might go. But again, that's not the objective at this time, at this level. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. what's happening when it comes to COVID? Is is there restrictions that are going to hamper what we do going forward? Oh, it's a whole nother yeah. topic. <laughs> I know. We've got a little bit of time anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I know for my side of things, I, you guys have the facility here. It's, it's been a bit of a nightmare. We've, we've paused, we've started up, we've paused, we've started up and uh, they've taken away games now. So um, it's, it's difficult for sure to keep these girls engaged, keep them motivated through practice. And that's why, again, we need to focus on fun. Obviously we want to develop them at the same time, but I think if they don't want to come to the rink, they're not going to get that development. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a fine line. And having all these restrictions come into play is definitely, definitely put a bit of um, a string hold on that. Mm-hmm. I think Michelle can speak to this. I know that she knows from our same experience here at the pond, but it's some of the kids are really starting to get fatigued by hockey. They're they're starting to just oh, it's practice again. It's practice again. It's practice again. It's practice. There's no games. So Michelle, have you seen anybody in here really start to get fatigued with just doing edges and, and do you switch anything up or change anything up to try and actually a few nights ago or last week, I think it was, I was out on the ice and the kids were giving no effort, no effort. They didn't care. They were going through the motions. And so I had to on the spot, like I, I can see this, I can see they're not, they're in hockey to play. They're not in hockey to train. Um, so I ended up just running some relay races and, you know, just trying to make it make light of things and try to incorporate my skating skills in the relay races. But I just found they were totally engaged and unengaged. And yeah, we have to learn to get a little creative on, on our end. Like we've been adding that baseball game that we're hoping to incorporate this week because they've taken 
scrimmages out. So now these kids can't scrimmage. So Ryan, you've created this fun baseball game that they're all looking forward to. It's non-contact and at least they get to touch a puck and there's some sort of competitiveness about it and uh, they can work on their skating skills. It's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) I want to play with the kids when I'm playing. I sit there and I I stew and I go, oh, I would have made that play better. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you just destroy them and then sit there and woo. That's the best part, right? Yeah. That's the most fun. I pulled my kids out of rep hockey this year because of all the stuff going on. I I just, I guess my mindset is I refuse to pay $3,000 or whatever per kid. Uh, and have them shut down the season and then that money's gone because it's very difficult to get money back from some of these organizations out there. But I would suggest that being in house league, my younger son got off the ice after the first training, I guess it was, it was just a practice. And he was with a bunch of his buddies from his team last year because a bunch of people have done the same thing. And he was like, that's the most fun I've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. There's no pressure. Mm -hmm. He knows it's house league. It's just fun hockey. And he goes out, and even though he's just training, uh, I'm doing air quotes, he's actually enjoying himself because he's with his buddies, and they're pushing themselves to do the thing better, the drill better, and so on. And there's really no pressure from coaches that are yelling at him in the background because they have to be better, and so on. So I find that there's an interesting balance of... Yeah, well, because I, I want to say, in contrast to that, this is the year of development. Mm. Right? Yeah. But... They have to have fun doing it. So he's still developing at Mm -hmm. the same time as having fun. And some of these kids, they need to realize this in their head. Like uh, I had Darnell Nurse on the ice with me a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's looking, his skating skills are getting better and better and better. And he's at the top of the NHL. And I said- All bets on the Oilers this year? (laughs) (laughs) And I was showing him this video of himself. And I said, look at this. This is, you're already getting better. And normally he would be playing right now, not working on his skills. So, um, and his response to me was, still still got to fix this, still got to fix that. So those athletes with that mind frame- we're really going to see. It's going to be interesting to see when the game comes back, who's going to be faster. And, and who sat on their couch eating, yeah, eating cheeseburgers. Exactly. <laughs> and it'll be funny to see the timing. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know, even know how to pass a puck, shoot the puck, whatever. I hold a hockey stick, but it's just an accessory for me. Um, <laughs> well, even but, the right the right type of games, I think, is the point Michelle's trying yeah. to, to get to, is if you if you have the right type of games in place, you can train properly to make yourself better for the whole game of hockey five on five. When it comes back, you got to be careful sometimes with the different type of games. If you're giving kids too much space, they're, they're going to be spinning circles in the corner, dangling around Mm -hmm. and, and in a real game, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to do that. And they've been training themselves to do that. But I'm, I'm wondering what the timing is going to be within a team. Like when I mean timing, like what if some kid all of a sudden is so much faster than the rest of his team because of the training he's put in or his passing's better, his shooting's better, his passing's harder, and then other players can't take their pass. You know, it's going to be funny to see where these kids are at after this this COVID situation is over and hopefully we go to back back to some sort of normalcy. Uh, well, this where is everyone's this at. is a kind of a microcosm of what happens after the summer. You mm-hmm. can definitely see in September the kids that come out 
and have been skating all summer versus the kids that haven't. Now we've been a proponent of take our kids completely out of hockey for three months or whatever it ends up being and put them in some other sport just so they don't get that beat down of hockey, hockey, hockey all the time. And generally speaking, when my kids go back on the ice, they're not the best players on the ice. Yeah. It takes them a month or two to kind of get back into the swing of that timing, like you said. But now you're going to see the parents that are diehards that are shoving their kids in hockey constantly to keep this thing going. The difference of the ones that haven't and the ones that have. And the ones that want it. Because like you said, shoving their kids into hockey won't if your kid doesn't want to be there, you need totally. to listen to that mm-hmm. because it could backfire. And we've seen it time and time in figure skating. I've seen it many years. Like these girls that were at the top of their level at a certain age, then we never heard of them again because it was too much too soon. Shut and then they yep. were done. Mm-hmm. So it's a happy medium of a, a compromise. I agree with listening to your child too, because mm-hmm. my daughter loves being at the rink when she's there. But when we're home, she's skipping and riding bikes like any normal seven-year-old. Whereas my middle guy, he is hockey all the time. <laughs> we get right. to witness that. Yeah, every week. so Madden, he he he's on the ice, and but he begs for it. He's already on the ice four times a week because he has to be. He comes home from school. He's like, "Can can we go to the pond? Can we jump on the shooting pad? Can I be goalie today? Can you shoot on me? Can we go in the driveway? Can we play in the basement?" It's and it's not us pushing it. Nice. We are we are happy for him to do what he wants. We're, we, you ask him what he wants to do today. He says hockey. He throws baseball in there once in a while. But some kids just love it. Mm-hmm. So I think if you listen, you know, to what your kid wants, I think that's the best way for Absolutely. their development. Absolutely. And I think what we're talking about now is is the fact that you know some kids don't like certain sports, and it's the parents that are kind of pushing them that way towards that sport. One thing I hope the listeners take from this conversation is the fact that you know if you have a little girl and she's not in hockey, you know we, we say that hockey is growing, but it is still kind of a little bit unknown on on the female side. Some parents are still reluctant to put their little girl in hockey. There's a bit of a stigmatism that was around it. I don't believe it's there anymore at all, but. Try it. Try your little girl in hockey. There is resources there for you. There are programs available to you. Even yourself as an adult, try hockey. It's it's There's stuff out there for you, and it's an amazing sport that involves team. It's good exercise. I was going to say, I, I did a bit of coaching when my boys were younger when the skill level of the coach's knowledge didn't matter, <laughs> um, and I was just there to push kids around, and it is a cardio workout, man. Just to skate yeah. up and down the ice a few times. Yeah. Whew, you're sweating. Sometimes when I demonstrate my own drills, I pretend <laughs> that I'm not gasping for air or my legs not burning, and then I tell them to go again and again and again. <laughs> and you've only done it once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. But what I was saying is, is it's available to the resources are there for you. So why not give it a try? You know, if your kid is out there and you're seeing them in dance and they might half-heartedly be doing it, give hockey a try. If they're out there in cheerleading and they're not fully into it, give hockey a try. The women's resources now are endless, really. If you, if you want it, you can find it in our area. And we have Harrigan Hockey that does a great job at the introductory all the way up to to junior and pro levels. And we have Michelle who is there to support you on your, on your edge work side and your power skating side. And we have the pond here that has programs for you to join that are co-ed. We also have girls only classes. So there's stuff for you. And I encourage everyone to just all these little girls, especially to get out there and try it because you heard Jana's stories growing up. It was 
it was so good, like just to hear the the passion behind behind what you did and and how you are a pioneer of the sport and and pushed it forwards. Yeah. And yeah, and I can attest to going from an individual to a team sport, and I was reluctant, but how much fun it was, and it was really cool to be out there with other females working towards a common goal. I guess if there's one thing we've learned over COVID is that we do really cherish and, and need connection with other people. And I'm not saying individual sports aren't good. I love golf. I love watching tennis. There's other sports, but even those sports require a team of people to get those athletes where they are. So being on a team like a hockey team or a baseball team or a football team or whatever team mm -hmm. is always, mm -hmm. always a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. It's always fun to share that joy. Um, Absolutely. You, you asked my daughter what her favorite part of the game was. This was last year during a non-COVID year. She's like, after we score a goal, we got to give high fives. Nice. Like, <laughs> That's beautiful. Great. We got to do cheers in the change room. Like, nice. it's it was zero to do about the actual game of it. It was all to do about the community. Well, that's what they say about tournaments, oh. right? These kids go on tournaments, yeah. and they don't remember how many games they played or who scored what goal. They remember hanging out in the hotel room. Which hotel had the biggest pool? That's right. Mini sticks The in mini the stick game in the hallway Absolutely. and getting in trouble by the staff. This <laughs> is what I think parents need to remember, too, right? It's yeah. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's fun. And if they're having fun, they're, they're going to do well. My kid said to me two or three days ago, he's like, you remember when we went to London that we stayed in, um, what's that hotel? Lamplighter. Lamplighter. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows Everybody the Lamplighter. Everybody knows the Lamplighter. The big slide. Yeah, big yeah, slide. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't so, even been there. I know about the Lamplighter. <laughs> when we stayed there, we, we had a room where we had a, like a little separate bedroom that had a door on it or these double doors. And so I put Roman in the, in the front room with the couch, the pullout couch. And I slept in the bed cause it was like a King bed or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I don't want my kid in my bed with me <laughs> spread out. Anyway. So he actually said to me the other day, he confessed to me that he, he came over to see me and I was sleeping. So he's like, I'm going to go try to find my friends. And he just took off and he didn't, he didn't tell me I was sleeping. And I'm like, dude, I am so like sleeping with one eye open from now on at these tournaments. Oh my God. It's funny. But that's yeah, that's amazing. the stuff that he remembers. He doesn't remember the games from that tournament. He doesn't remember that they lost 5-3 yeah, in the final couldn't game. Couldn't care less. Mm. Couldn't care less. So, but yeah, no, it's been great. I really appreciate the insight today. You guys are amazing. And it's just so nice to have amazing people around. I'm glad that we can get people like you on this podcast. I mean, we kind of cheated because... It's like Ryan's sister. We put up with her when we when we <laughs> no, but no. The, the amazing insight. And what I what I take from this is, I mean, we knew this before, and the and the movement is growing. But women are powerful, man. And I think the the movement is is incredible. And the idea that women's sport is growing is very. Um, it makes me feel good, right? Because I think that this is necessary to continue to grow. And um, I'm just happy to see that you're ambassadors of your sport and keeping that that movement growing so so did we answer your question is your daughter just signing up for hockey next year <sighs> maybe yeah mm -hmm. well I'm, I'm i have i have no idea what dance is i i just don't i can't even i don't want to say anything bad about dance because i don't know much about it but i'm so out of my element there. <laughs> oh so maybe we have to okay <laughs> we'll have a conversation yeah absolutely <laughs> all right guys thanks so much and uh have a good day yeah thank you thank you thanks guys that was another episode of The Underground. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, follow Justin on Facebook and see what he's up to in the real estate world at Justin Lon Carrick. And check out what Ryan is doing on the ice at more.hockey.